idea that was funnier in my head than it came out when I uh, started talking. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today. My name is Eric. With me as always is Michael. How are you doing, Michael? I guess you could say that worked in theory. It worked in theory. That's a funnier joke. That's what I had planned, and then you add the theory to it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I just had the idea of causing chaos. But then I was like, God damn, the game's chaos theory. I got to work theory in there somewhere. What I should have done is told you about this joke ahead of time so we could have played off of each other in a hilarious banter. But that's not what happened. (laughs) This this show is off the cuff. All (laughs) improvised. You never know what you're going to get. There's never been editing or anything like that. There's never been like times which random cuts happen. (laughs) <laughs> that was just me fucking around. Um, Alright. Uh, who knows if this even makes the final edit. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Kate, uh, we are here playing Split or Cell Chaos Theory. This is part two of our playthrough. Um, thank you guys for listening to part one. We saw some really good jump in numbers there. We really hope everybody enjoyed it. I want um, to say straight up, uh, the Splinter Cell subreddit, of all the subreddits I posted on to promote the show... You guys in the Splinter Cell subreddit are the nicest subreddit of them all. Like, man, wow, this is... I'm going to check this episode out, man. Thanks, really good. I I do appreciate your points. Here's a few tips of some stuff coming up. I really think you'll like this next bit. Like, wow, awesome. Um, You know, as as, uh, people who promote a lot of the show in subreddits for old video games, you know, there's a certain type of fan that still hangs around in subreddits for you know series of games that are not currently active right you know and those subreddits can either be the coolest places ever where people are just there having a good time wanting to talk about games that they care about and love or they can be the most hostile like pit of vipers you have ever walked into where it's like hey we're playing this game for the first time look at you you fucking casuals <laughs> I can't it's remember what? which one it was, but my favorite comment of all time, positive or negative, was just no. Yes, that was my favorite <laughs> one. That was my. I enjoyed that comment. It's just like thank you for your constructive criticism. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, cool. Love it. Yeah, we appreciate your you being constructive here. Um, yeah, uh, it's always fun the internet, right? Um, but yeah, Splitter Cell Chaos Theory. We're here to finish up our conversation slash discussion on this game. Uh, this game has been a wonderful ride. I think we came out of part one extremely high. Yes. Like, we were just super pumped up. We thought the game was, you know, just amazing. And I think part two has a ton of high points and is still, you know, some amazing stuff in part two. But I think those couple of things here that i really really want to get into that i just am confused on and why these decisions were made you know that's one of the best things about doing uh this show and talking about video games that have kind of fallen away from the conversation is looking back on them and trying to just figure out like why at the time was this decision made i'm right Um, there with you because it feels like the game designers had 
there's some very, very strong levels throughout this entire thing. But it feels like at some point during the games, they looked at it going, we don't want this game to feel too samey, so we're going to change up the gameplay in a way that does not fit the systems of this game. And there's a couple of sections where I just got so frustrated where I stopped playing it like how I wanted to play and just had to give myself over and hope that what I was doing was going to elevate me forward. And a lot of that was save scumming after every single room at a certain point, especially one mission that I otherwise loved until I hit a wall where I'm just like, what is the, this isn't fun anymore. What was, what's going on here? So uh, I, I totally... overall want to emphasize that I really like this game, but I feel like so there's some points that are hitting me that's preventing me from like hailing this as one of the greatest stealth games of all time. Maybe at the time it was, but looking at 2023, I'm like, this is so close to being great. It's frustrating I think it's, for me. I think it's a uh, 95% of the game is amazing. And there's a solid 5% there that's just such a vast quality difference that it, it's almost mind-blowing. And, you know, we'll get into it when we, we do our kind of walk through the game, you know, kind of breakdown. But uh, I, am, uh, I am not surprised that your sections that you did not enjoy are probably going to be the exact same sections I did not enjoy. Because it is the moment in which I feel like the designers stopped trusting how solid their systems were and started doing things that just was completely outside of what made this game so enjoyable. Um, and it's just some of these decisions are just mind-blowing. Mind and a couple uh, we'll, of them are like... They seem like good ideas on paper, where, not to get too into it, but like, here's an enemy that can detect you in the shadows. On paper, that's like a moment where you're like, okay, that's going to change up their gameplay styles and everything. But what it really does is turns into an insta-kill, like, oh, I'm seen, I'm dead. All right, cool, thanks. <laughs> There's also several sections in that that are forcing you towards combat like a heavy combat focus, like a straight-on, one-on-one combat. And I can tell you right now, through most of this game, if I was seen, I was dead. You know, I didn't actively... Because I almost like, when I seen, I was seen, I always viewed it as a failed state at that point. Because yeah. I didn't want to be seen. And to be pushed towards a combat-focused sections felt really weird. The game doesn't seem to do that well. So, like, it just feels like an odd choice. And like I said, I don't want to badmouth this game by any means of imagination because I very much enjoyed it. I think it's one of the, my favorite games I've played in a very long time. But, uh, boy, there's some decisions that were made that I wish were not there. Um, before we get into Splinter Cell, apparently I can't talk tonight. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, let's talk about some other video games that we've been playing and things we've been doing. Uh, this is the beginning of one of the most exciting times in video games in a very long time. There was just a ton of cool stuff coming out. And I feel like it was kind of kicked off last week with the release of Atomic Heart. Uh, that was a game that I was super excited for. It was, it felt like the first of like many games I'm very excited for. Like we have Resident Evil 4 Remake in a couple weeks, Jedi Survival, um... 
down the pipeline we have games like street fighter 6 and stuff like that you know there's just a ton of cool stuff coming um i have completed atomic heart (laughs) (laughs) it's been a week i've completed atomic heart um michael you want to hear about atomic heart sure tell me about atomic heart sell me on this game because right now i am very unsure of if it's for me or not this game seems to be extremely divisive. Um, I feel like people are either super down with it or super not. Um, I will go ahead and say out loud that there seems to be a lot of technical issues. Uh, the developers seem to be aware of that. They seem to be fixing a lot of those technical issues. There seems to be a couple of weird design choices that I'll kind of breeze over. Um, I had none of those real technical issues a friend of the show nick has also been playing this and has been struggling with a lot of crashes i had one hard crash the entire time playing it um but i feel like my situation seems to be maybe outside the norm i seem that it seems like most people are having some technical issues i'm not i played on the xbox series x um but that stuff is is there i want to acknowledge it just because you know it is something that's affecting a lot of people's enjoyment um i do also want to kind of voice a slight defense for the developers this seems to be this developer's first like major game it's a very beautiful game it's a game with a lot of stuff going on and a lot of <laughs> systems and it's 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 quality so i feel like they maybe you know they swung for the fences and there's some some kind of uh, rough corners still to s- smooth out there um this game i love this game i had a ball <laughs> i mean i am a little bit confused at people who are having issues with the game from uh you know the gameplay itself point of view there's a lot of comparisons to bioshock the game makes some straight up references to that the game knows it's being compared to bioshock there's a lot of um to me, there's a lot of Wolfenstein, the new Wolfenstein game yeah. from here. Um, the game has kind of a back and forth between kind of like an enclosed dungeon space, I guess is one way to put it, when you're in corridors and exploring facilities. And then there is an open ward mechanic in the game. The open ward is the weakest part of the game for sure. Um, it's probably best to just kind of get in a car and drive to the next place you need to be and don't really explore a ton of that there's some cool stuff out there but it's just not it's not strong there's a lot of um respawning enemies and things like that that can kind of slog you down um the game is at its best when you're inside those facilities and you're dealing with a lot of the uh the bosses and things like that of the game this game is it's got, like I said, it's not a straight-up regular first-person shooter, but it has a ton of influences that it wears on its sleeves. Um, some of the boss fights remind me of kind of some Doom Eternal kind of stuff. There's a lot of Bioshock in it with, you know, the, the you know the plasmids and stuff like that you get in Bioshock. There's some equivalent stuff here. Uh, the big kind of selling point to the game for me is this game is just weird. <laughs> it's okay. It's just... It's just weird, and it's constantly being weird. Um, from a main character that has a catchphrase called Crispy Critters, um, who uses it probably at least once every dialogue sequence. <laughs> He's constantly calling, yelling Crispy Critters. 
um, a person on the subreddit of this game who is fluent in Russian. This game is uh, developed by a Russian developer. Uh, did some conversations where he believes that that's a a real rough translation of a kind of a phrase that's kind of equivalent to like son of a bitch and instead of just using the more american or english phrasing they kind of directly translated it <laughs> um i there's a lot of talk about the voice actor the main character voice actor i don't think he's that bad i think he's an asshole and i think he's supposed to be an asshole and maybe some people aren't quite comfortable with the fact that the main character you play is an asshole. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, the main character is not a heroic person or a cool guy. Sometimes he's just a dork asshole. <laughs> um, you have a you get sexually harassed by a fridge in this game. Okay, that's how you get your weapons. <laughs> this game is weird, um, but. It's got a lot of interesting concepts. It's got a world that just feels unique and really well thought out. Yeah. Um, one f- weird fascination I have is that the game gives you blueprints for weapons. Um, one of the more common blueprints is the like assault rifle. Um, I didn't get the assault rifle till the room before the final boss. Uh, but the game, for some reason, gave me about 9,000 rounds of ammunition. <laughs> so in a game where you're desperately scrounging for equipment and supplies, because it's kind of limited. You know, you don't have like 100 bullets for all your guns and stuff. Um, I only ended up going into that last room with two pistols, a shotgun, and a little like a lot of melee weapons. A whole lot of melee weapons. Um, they have uh, discussed that they are aware that some of the drops on that stuff is a little weird. So hopefully now you can get your weapons a little bit easier. But uh, the game's good, man. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I fully embraced how weird it was and kind of how off the wall. Um, I think it just has a ton of great ideas. Uh, it's it's a lot more... It's It feels very like dismissive to call it Russian Bioshock, which is kind of like the selling you know phrase there. But it's... It's got a lot of that kind of DNA, and it's it's worth playing for sure. I yeah. really, like. I think there's just a ton of really well thought out mechanics in here, um, and not everything hits. You know, not everything's you know going to be you know dead on. But to be honest with you, I rather play a lot. Of, a lot of times, I rather play games that have a lot of like attempts at stuff and is really trying to do interesting things than something that just plays it safe. Yeah. Um, as a guy who plays a ton of first person shooters and things like that, it's you know you can a dime a dozen when it comes to like competently made shooter campaigns. But a game that is a first person shooter that has a lot of weird mechanics and weird kind of attempts at doing things differently is vastly more interesting to me than you know. Yeah, just a I get straight that. up campaign, and like I said, I think a lot more than just Bioshock DNA in here. There's a lot of, like I said, the Wolfenstein stuff has to be an influence. It, it reminds me a lot of the new Wolfenstein games, which I really love. Um, and then there's some Doom Eternal stuff in there uh, with the platforming. There's like there's a lot of platforming. There's a ton of puzzles. It's a very puzzle heavy game. That's that's surprising um, to me. Yeah, very puzzle heavy to the point that's a complaint I've seen. But to me, none of the puzzles are frustrating. They're interesting, but none of them are frustrating. It's a lot of, like, move these two dots to line up with these two dots, but you can only move them in sections of three. 
or something like that or gotcha. you know time timing puzzles it's a lot of puzzles and platforming but um if it's good man it's it's really been cool it's really fun um i highly highly suggest it um i believe that they've already got dlc stuff planned out um i would love to see what they do with it uh the game's story is actually it's a little it's very it's not it doesn't feel 100% like complete it doesn't give you 100% a finished like feeling of like oh i know everything i need i wanted to know but it has a lot of interesting concepts and ideas and it kind of has some interesting twists and turns that i really liked uh it kept things weird and i was all for it so uh Tom that's McCart, what you want really yeah it, dude like i said i feel like atomic heart is the it's a very much highly on on my list this year uh i like i said i knocked it out in a week it's about i think it took me about 20 some hours i did okay. some of the side stuff and things like that but I don't have a ton of free time. I, I got kids and walk and other hobbies and lifting and all that stuff to do. So, you know, if I dedicate that much time to something, that's it's got to be pretty interesting. Uh, it also has a sexy ballerina robots. That's the main thing I saw from this game going around. Oh yes, the internet has uh, the internet's divided on Atomic Heart as a video game. The internet is a hundred percent behind Ballerina Robots. Um, I would say that uh, they they are um, not the only like weird characters in this thing, but they were definitely they knew what they had. I feel like the developers were like we got something here. We wanna we wanna get some extra boost on the uh, on the internet here. We wanna get those rule thirty four people all excited. We got something here. They knew what they were doing. Um, we saw the marketing, how that kind of accidentally took off for Resident Evil Eight. It was like <laughs> they're like people love big sexy vampire ladies. They're gonna love ballerina robots. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoyed Atomic Heart. I think it's worth playing for sure. Uh, it, probably if you play it now after several updates you'll probably have a more smoother experience like i said i had very little issues um but i do i do believe a lot of people are probably having some technical problems um if you're running them on lower power rigs or maybe the like series s instead of the x or something like that you might be having some issues but uh big fan i highly suggest it uh nice yeah so i would i would try it i would try it um, Michael. Yes. Anything you've been doing playing before we jump yeah. into Splinter Cell? So, I am continuing to chip away at Judgment. I still think that game is really, really cool. I touched a lot on it on the last episode, so I won't delve in too much into it because it's still most of that same stuff, and then most of what I'm playing now is very story-focused. But I will talk about, like, one story bit that i thought was pretty great there's one bit where your character has to break breaks away from the main story and has to solve a mystery of who ate the cake from the law firm's fridge (laughs) so that's pretty so i have something relatable that kind of links to something going on recently there's a guy at my walk who has just become obsessed with the fact that someone is stealing his hot pockets, <laughs> he has like four boxes of hot pockets in the uh, the office fridge there, and every day I come into a new note 
that is stating that he's down like two hot pockets from his barbecue chicken hot pockets and one pizza hot pocket, and he's extremely angry. Um, two, I did not know that there was two people in the ward who'd be eating the hot pockets. I don't think I've eaten a hot pocket since I was like eight. But um, this man, big fan of his hot pockets and not happy that people are still in these things. So, yeah, I mean, I can totally understand. Sometimes sometimes you got to take a break from your Yakuza stories to go fight people stealing cakes out of fridges. Um, He's one step away from hiring a private investigator to do this. Got to do what you got to do. And apparently apparently you know a guy. (laughs) We can fly this guy in from Japan and he can figure this out for him. Um, I think Judgment seems like a really really cool game I think that uh, that you're slowly becoming a Yakuza guy I am becoming a Yakuza guy I like Zero I think I'm liking Judgment more if it can carry a lot of what I like about it through the whole game I think Yakuza Zero started out uh, from the first like five or six or seven chapters as a potential one of my favorite games of all time. And then I think we got too involved into the like real estate storyline. So, uh, and real estate, just all that jargon just never interested me. My eyes kind of glazed over. So when we did get to the awesome growing and you don't care about escrowing and, you know, making sure you got your homeowners insurances. (laughs) No, I can get it. Yeah, the side quests were really great in that game, though. But yeah, the main plot kind of... Everything with Goro Majima, though, was top-tier, brilliant, and everything. So I think I'm going to try to stick with the like spin-off stories. So Like a Dragon Ishin seems really cool. I did look up today. It is officially in stay-of-the-save hour range by one... If it was one hour longer, it wouldn't be. But so I'm like, all right, we're gonna wish list this. We're gonna wait for the price to hit about twenty bucks, and we're gonna make something happen. <laughs> That's the one set in um, in medieval Japan, correct? Uh, ja- around the time of the Japanese Civil War, I think is yeah so that it's, era. It's, that, you that get that a gun. That's in, okay, well, I mean, they had a you know like uh, you know firearm development was there by that time so that you get you get some guns you can do some damage i believe in that game you can summon kenny omega with a pokemon card also <laughs> seems pretty great um you mean no longer triples champion kenny omega oh no uh, yeah things went bad at revolution for my boy uh but we're not gonna talk wrestling right now not right uh, now <laughs> we'll do a podcast one day where i'll talk about the ins and outs on mjf throwing vodka on a child um things things went down at the revolution <laughs> um no i i think that one seems interesting like i said I, the yakuza games have always interested me i fiddle around with like a dragon uh they're just they their games are heavy time commitments and, they are intimidatingly uh, long yeah they're tied and, uh, to a story with a lot of entries so <laughs> yeah it can feel like one of those things where it's tough to find an entry point into it and i agree with you maybe the best thing to do is be a side side game guy yeah you know play all the side games and leave the other stuff for different people um are we ready to talk splinter cell yeah i think we're ready to talk some splinter cell so split i thought i know i went a little bit heavy on atomic heart there but uh i was excited i realized i took up more time than i usually do <laughs> yeah you had a heavy heart coming into this thing i have I had. I, it was almost atomic to be honest with you <laughs> 
Um, I expect uh, similar conversations in the few weeks when Resident Evil 4 Remake comes out. <laughs> I did something I shouldn't have done. Uh, I, I used gift card money and I re- went ahead and pre-ordered that thing. I got, uh, a, I got I, pre-approval I, from the <laughs> wife. I try not to buy a lot of games brand spanking new right off the bat, day one. Um, just because, you know, 70 bucks, man, you know, we all got bills. Uh, but that one... That one's gotta. That one's gotta happen. <laughs> all, it all it does. took was a three-second clip of the Krauser knife fight, and I'm like, done. All right, gift. I got gift cards. Stacks. Give me. I want it. I won't it. watch Give anything. To I me, won't watch yes. A bit. I watched uh, the initial I'm... gameplay footage of the initial like village sequence. I said, I guess this is a video game I'm gonna have, and uh, <laughs> I've not watched a single thing, and I don't plan on watching anything. I'm just going You're to. A... I'm just going You're to. A... Buy the game. <laughs> You're a stronger man than I. I'm playing that demo as soon as it drops because I'm like, nope. I got it. Uh, mm, I, nope. need, I need not it. Not touching anything. My I, my I, thought I, is, I, I played this game a million times. What? Why not play another hour before the before the main course? But now, like you know, those side quests, there was yeah. all this extra stuff. Who knows what this game's gonna be? I mean, I feel like I feel like this thing is going to be so much more than that original game which is saying something because that original game is just so much um not to delve too far into the conversation because we were technically in splinter cell time here but is capcom like the best game developer going right now monster hunter's going strong uh street fighters coming back hard they got resident evil in a better spot than it has been probably ever I would say so, Resident Evil's in a better spot, best spot it's been in since 4. I mean, think about it. They've had a run here of 7 and 8, remakes of 2 and 3, and now this remake of 4. But even th- had, at that time, you had stuff like Outbreak, Dead Aim, yeah. things that were ambitious that weren't really hitting so much. So I would say now... But oh, also at this time we also have like reverse and stuff that we can throw in. Yeah, there. those weird yeah. stuff still coming. Yeah, okay. But, and but there is like said, Street Fighter Six looks amazing. Every character reveal that they have, whoever was in charge of their character design department did just insane work. Like every character reveal is just like, oh yeah, that's 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 perfect. Let's just do that. Whatever they, you just did, do more they, of that. They did the impossible. They gave cammy pants and no one's mad about it no everybody's like look at the back thing she does (laughs) (laughs) they went the key to giving female characters like clothing in the year 2023 without pissing off the internet is just have them do one sexy thing and then people are like but she's still there (laughs) it's that's that's the grand marketing strategy (laughs) um also zangief's got pants like, he's got pants. They covered up his quads. <laughs> but he's also, like, wrestling dudes. I was like, Zang- Zangief looks like he's going to be a ball to play. Um, yeah, it's uh, Capcom. You know, firing all cylinders over there at Capcom. Who would have known? Uh, five or Ten six years, years ago. ago, I thought they yeah. were dead. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Capcom, man. Keep it up, Capcom. Uh, speaking of which, I've been play- I played some Guilty Gear today. It's very good. Speaking of fighting games. Yeah, um, that does look cool. Splinter Cell. <laughs> Splinter Cell. Back to Splinter <laughs> took, Cell. Took me a second. Um, so we this section is mission six through ten. Um, 
from a storing point of view, if I, you know, I kind of have my, my bleh on the story here, but, um, which is weird because I usually love like military, uh, espionage stories and stuff like that. I'm usually a fan of those and this one just doesn't hit for me. Um, basically this shady PMC group, we suspect, um, of, we suspect that they help instigate a war in the uh, Asian theater between the North Koreans into uh, South Korea. And, of course, that gets the Chinese and the Americans and the Japanese all involved. And Sam's out trying to see if the PMC is really dirty, if his buddy who runs the PMC is actually dirty. He's, he's investigating at this point, um, I guess is the best way to put it. And, like and we said, need to I, find uh, a guy named Zerkezi for info on what happened with the missile. So it's all about tracking people who have information on climbing the ladder, The hot, yeah. how deep this conspiracy web kind of goes. It's a very because simplistic story told in the most complicated way possible. Exactly. That's a wonderful way of putting it. It's not a hard concept to understand by any means of the imagination. But they try to make it seem a lot more in-depth than it actually is. So it just gets more frustrating because you're like, I think I understand this story, but clearly i got to be missing something. No, they just do a really weird job of trying to explain simple concepts. And apparently we're not alone in that. Thank you for validating me. Splinter Cell subreddit being like, oh yeah, the story is weird. Don't worry. Don't worry yes. about it. Gameplay is why you're here. Gameplay is king. I'm like, okay, uh, it's, not, yeah. it's not just me. That helps a little bit. <laughs> Mission 6. We're in Japan. Hokkaido. Hokkaido. Uh, this mission freaking rocks. I love this mission. Um, there is a ton of cool stuff in here. From, you know, the side missions all make sense and are clear. You're given the bulk of your side missions ahead of time. Things like finding bugs that the Japanese military intelligence organization left behind, and they really don't want those to be discovered. Um, also, those really cool like set-piece kind of stuff. You can grab guys through the walls because the walls are papal, so you can walk up <laughs> and like snatch a dude through the wall, which just feels cool no matter what really you know. It's probably um, the funniest mission. The dialogue here is great. Uh, the first guy you interrogate says, I already wet myself. You should just kill me. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. There's some bangers in other missions, too. Like, Sam, anytime I could interrogate anybody, I just interrogated him. Because Sam has some of the best cold, ice-cold killer kind of lines. Yes. Um, I, I, I love... Sam Fisher is, a, is, is great. I, Starkey I old man stuff. Fisher is brilliant. <laughs> Um, and this isn't even snarky old man Fisher yet. He's going to get older. This is snarky <laughs> middle age Fisher. <laughs> um, so basically we're here because there was going to be a meeting and we are trying to observe that meeting and try to see, hey, you know, what exactly is going on? Is this PMC Darty? We think maybe that the, uh, the friend of Sam's is not involved in this. Maybe it's just one of his lieutenants that's kind of went rogue here. We're not entirely sure. Um, this whole mission has a ton of great stuff. The environment's really interesting as you're going in and out of these different buildings. The lighting is very weird and unique. There's lots of shadows behind walls and things like that that's very unique and cool. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there was civilians in this area, so you have to not, you can't be, you know, popping people in the head no matter who you see. You know, you got to be a little bit more cautious with your uh, your hostilities. Um, and we're that? working our way from like narrow um, areas all the way up to like the big white near mansion style area near the end of this thing. And what I thought was really cool is at the end of it, the realization that it's all in a circle. So when you fit, exit out that area to the helicopter, you realize you're back basically to where you started. And it yeah. kind of just guides you through all the way back from like to like the insertion point. I'm like, that's really cool. Um, areas that feel realistic are my favorite part of this game. Like when they just make it feel like actual tangible architecture, like the bank coming up the bathhouse uh the a battery and the cruise ship and like the area leading to the mansion here are my favorite thing about this game when they don't when you can navigate them because they make sense yes when you go okay of course if i go this direction i'm in a locker room so if i go to the back and left of the locker room here i am in the pool like it makes sense. Like it, you navigate the environment off of common sense kind of logic, and connected and to also, both those things is the showers because of course they would be next yeah, to the pool, that's where they connected would be. to the locker room. Yes, and also it helps you in my mind memorize the the map, which is very important in a lot of these missions because sometimes you're backtracking or you're going back to get a side objective or something like that. It's important to be able to remember what the layout is. Yeah, if I were to go back and play these missions a year later, I think I would be able to navigate them again through memory because I feel very strong about those particular locations. Uh, Especially specific, like... Specific missions, like, again, the bank, the mansion of Hokkaido, and bathhouse especially. Yeah, and I would say the cruise ship is also on that. I feel like Yeah, the cruise really ship, good. yeah. Um. This whole sequence ends in a death of what we believe was going to be our main target <laughs> and the realization that, no, this whole PMC group is dirty. And now it becomes the question of who are they working for? Um, that whole sequence is really, really cinematic because we're observing it over um, on a rooftop. And so you see like all that sequence go down and then the break. One thing I really enjoy about a lot of these missions is they give you objectives and then throughout the course of the mission, objectives are canceled and changed. So it feels like it's a fluid experience, like Sam's having to deal with things on the ground, you know. You're not just going in and the checklist you get at the beginning is the checklist you leave with. You're constantly yes. picking up objectives and getting objectives canceled and, you know, changing objectives on the fly because the situation is is fluid it leaves room for, for surprise i think we talked about last time like the overall story of this game is kind of a mess but the story of you tackling these missions is really interesting from like it doesn't matter the names or the alliances but i'm in here to kill this guy this guy left so what does that mean where do we go next in order to track this guy down what does that mission look like Stuff like that and how it all connects together, the through line there is what I find really fascinating. So it's more of like an emergent story that takes place versus an overall like written one. Also, 
coming across things like, oh, look, it's a weapons cache that has information that might link it to these other group. So now, you know, we're adding on an objective of tracking those weapons, you know. It just feels, like I said, it feels very fluid and it feels very kind of realistic for how these kind of things would go down. Um, There's one uh, outside the game thing that happened during this mission that was uh, kind of funny that happened to me. So I was early on this mission. It was my first time sitting down to play this thing. I went and was like tackling it very slowly and methodically and I went to go shoot out a light. At the exact moment I pulled the trigger and the light shattered, my TV cut off, but the pole, the pole power of where I live just went off, on, off, on, off, on three times, and then cut out in a loud, like, <laughs> as soon as I shot that light. And there was, a, there was a car wreck not far from where I live that crashed into a pole and knocked out power for about three hours. At that exact that's moment, a, I shot the light, so that terrified me. It was like a whoa moment that's of some, shooting uh, the light and cutting the power. That's some immersion right there. <laughs> right there. That's, that, you know, I've played some like horror games with the lights off and stuff, but that's a level of immersion I just don't know if I feel comfortable with, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, this whole sequence, like I said, it does do a great job. It wraps back around. Um I feel like there's nothing bad to say about the first three or four mi- first three missions of this section, because then the sec- the next mission we go into is Battery, which is um, we're infiltrating the North Korean missile site, in which the uh, the missile that was shot at the the American ship that blew up that the ship came from, and yeah, this is like a classic the- stealth mission. Yes, I love this mission. I love the build-up where you're kind of working your way through. There's multiple paths to kind of get you to the central location where you're going up to, like, the top, like, mission control tower. I I love this mission. This mission is great. I will say, so storyline-wise, before we get in here, uh, the USS Ronald Reagan is taking on duties for the battle fleet. I guess you can say orders trickled down to it. I had that joke written down. I just wanted to. It's a funny out there. (laughs) It's a funny joke. I mean, I give you credit. Um, You get a Sam line in there where Sam starts dropping like some some references to old Roosevelt, uh, old uh, Reagan, and none of his crew recognize the references. It's just because he's damn old. (laughs) But uh, battery is great because you know going into battery. Uh, you know, dun 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 dun. Uh, you know the Metallica song. Um, this is just a night of obscure Eric just dropping weird hints and stuff. <laughs> um, going into battery, the the whole situation is that you know, hey, there's potential for escalation in this conflict in North Korea and South Korea, and everybody's at each other's throats. And so you kind of think like, okay, this game is going to be about stopping that from happening and so the progression throughout batteries you know you're you're exploring you're finding out that hey no the north koreans didn't actually shoot this missile they are not the ones who actually you know initiated this thing and so you're like okay i can stop this whole war from happening (laughs) you know (laughs) as you're exploring the mission you know battery you're going around you know uh, you know, you get some intelligence from the war center there. That's like, you know, where you find out that the general there is not the one who 
who initiated the launch and all this stuff. And there's a great kind of like kickoff sequence in which, okay, we've finally proven it, boys. We've discovered that it wasn't the North Koreans. And at that exact moment, you get the message from Lambert that's like, oh shit, they're invading South Korea. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just really interesting to me because I was like, oh, this game's going to be about stopping the war from happening. Nope. Kicks off right there. Yeah. Um, And there's some really great sequences in this because you have like the classic stealth mission of navigating a military facility. It's all underground and stuff, so it's all close corridors and dark and, you know, good for stealth. And then you have stuff kicking off where it's like, oh, shit, they're going to launch. You know, they're launching (laughs) missiles. You need to stop those missiles. And he starts giving you time, you know, timers and things like that, which usually I really don't like that kind of stuff. But the thing is, by that point, I had explored the map so much that I had a really good idea where I needed to go. So when it's like, oh, you need to... Stop this missile launch. I was like, okay, I need to get to this room right here. I know how to get there. It relies on your knowledge of places you've already been, and which is why this sequence works great. And I also want to talk about how in this section, this is the game. What this game does very well, surprisingly so, is verticality. There, a lot of the missions have a sense of like scale to them. From like the bottom up, like the in the first section, the mission where you're you start on the ground and work your way up to the penthouse tower. But this is one of the I think the only mission that's vertical from like an interior perspective, where you're starting on like the ground floor and then you're like working your way up to like the top tower and everything. There's and there's like an underground level of like one of the first rooms you can go and like uh, work your way through like the piping and you can see the enemy over top of you there's um a bit where you're you have to move a missile out of the way so you can cl- so you can move your way up to the top of the room and climb your way through like the uh missile silo area uh, there's a lot to love in this mission this is one of my favorites in this entire game i don't have a lot out have uh, a bad thing to say about this one it doesn't have like a lot of like holy crap look at this kind of like drop your jaw moments yeah but it's just so solid across the board that you know it's like okay this is all good you know all of this is high quality all of this feels right the environments are you know easy to read i know where i need to be um i got options um those you know the challenges that i'm faced with are you know clear to me i know what i need to do is just now executing them it's just Um, a straight up good mission yeah and it's followed by no frills no gimmicks just here's a really solid splinter cell mission and you're just like exactly i didn't take a lot of notes on it just because i was absorbed in playing this thing exactly i um i think if it's followed by one of my it's followed by my favorite mission i knew this would be i knew this would be i'm like this is a new mission mission. (laughs) i love the following mission so after we we stopped the assault on the USS Reagan, but the war has kicked off. <laughs> you know, it's. I don't know if you interrogated the general um, up in the war room there, but he basically tells you that like the main attack point, they have the American and South Korean army like outnumbered eight to one at the board. Oh, okay. And so, and there's a lot of talk about like, hey, the initial plan was never to stop them before Seoul because Seoul was too damn close to the border. So we, you know. 
we're gonna lose Soul in the initial seventy-two hours. It's like that's the line that I, that stuck out to me. It's like we're gonna lose this. We're gonna lose the capital of, North, of South Korea in seventy-two hours. <laughs> like it's not gonna go well. Um, and Soul is such a unique mission because it starts to open. It's one of the things that they explore a lot in later Splinter Cell games that I've played, like Double Agent and things like that, where you're now in a, a city under siege. Sound stops being a problem because there's just stuff blowing up everywhere. So, you know, gone is your worry about, oh, they heard me shoot out that light. Well, they ain't going to hear you shoot out that light because there's machine guns in the background. Um, it also allows you to be a little bit more aggressive because you're in this, you know, war zone and there's not as much penalties for things like security cameras and things like that. Um, the whole mission just has. It's just from the opening sequence, it starts off in a child's bedroom that's just creepy. You know, it's mm-hmm. a basically a safe house that you're in, but they've got the. It's just like this peaceful little sanctuary that you know you as a parent create for your children, and then as Sam walks out the door, the whole city's on fire, and it has such a great, you know, sound design of the screams and the yells in the background, the automatic fire and the explosions and the destruction. And the chaos that that's taking place. And as you move throughout the city and you complete objectives, you get glimpses into the bigger event going around you. Yes. There's a part in which you're told to interrogate a North Korean soldier because there's another unit that's on the ground of splinter cells in training that's trying to gain a, get a guy. They're trying to rescue a guy. And he's got moved by the North Koreans. So by interrogating a soldier you're able to patch those guys in and get the information for this other splinter cell team to be able to complete their objective yeah so it just feels like this big old ward around you of all these other assets on the ground and sam's a single asset being deployed you're trying to control this insanity because of Um, course the situation would have a bunch of people from different organizations trying to gather as much information as possible so oh, it yeah. feels it it feels organic in that way truly and um this if mission actually read, remind like... me a lot of the opening mission i think you played it uh, it's a game we're gonna play uh whenever we can uh, metal gear solid 4 yeah it's v- very close to that opening and it took me a lot of that where it's like two opposing forces and you're just a outside force that's doing his own thing here and i really like that that aspect the feeling that yeah you're all around you is a million different stories you're just one of them exactly and to sam this is the the end all be all of what he's trying to do but all around him there's people from all the different sides of this thing you know like i said there's a splinter cell unit that's got a whole different objective and problems on their end those you know there's a, there's a freaking war going on um you know it's it's this is a great storytelling mission it's also a weird you know a unique environment you know it's not something like a, a dark office building or a quiet you know military base this is chaos you're walking your way through these destroyed buildings scaling fences you're dealing with like problems that are 
more organic like lights that are flickering on and off because the power surges are happening so yeah. you're sneaking across streets while the light is flicked off and then when it fl- it's flipping it back on and off uh you're dealing with things that you just can't straight up engage like tanks you know <laughs> like there's the stuff on the street that you just can't deal with you're dealing with the fact that this is a war zone so no one knows you are there so no one's going to be helping you but then you've got friendly forces on the ground that are fighting this thing so you're sneaking through conflicts while those gun battles going on and you're sneaking behind the fighting you know to try to continue your mission um this whole section is just great you know basically trying half of this mission do you not like it once the the plane is shot down yeah that's it (laughs) Uh, what's the plane is shot down? You get the drones added to the mix, um, which are a little bit just annoying. They're not really challenging. They're just annoying. Um, I, I can't agree like with there that. Are, I think this. Yeah, I feel like yeah, there's I, some parts of this mission where I, more than any other mission in this game, I has me asking the question, "How was I seen?" <laughs> more than any other here. Yeah, there's a couple it, of times where I feel like. Me. No, I think you're right. There's some tougher times where the lighting is a little bit deceiving, where you feel like you should be in darkness, and yet somehow they still pick you up. There was a couple of times in which I was sneaking behind um, guys who were in the middle of a firefight, and they're very, very clearly looking down the street away from me shooting, and then they turn and just light me up. Yes. And there was a couple of times that happened to me where a bullet hit me from the people shooting on the other side of the street, and that somehow gave away my position to the people on that side of the street. So it was very kind of like weird in that aspect. I don't quite understand how that works. There is a sequence at the end where the, the plane is shot down. You're trying. I tried to rescue the pilots. Yeah, I did And that. I could not freaking rescue them motherfuckers. I just couldn't rescue him because I could not get past that tank. It 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 picked me up every time, even if I was moving completely in darkness. Completely in darkness, that that meter didn't move, and somehow that tank would pick me off. But I wanted to yeah. see. I I rescued the pilots just to see, not necessarily what would happen, but I feel like that was, again, like I love half of this mission. That's one aspect I absolutely love: the fact that they there's a choice that makes no difference in this entire game, but it's something Sam would do. We're like we're gonna bomb this place. It's like, well, these these pilots are still alive. I'm gonna get them out of the zone, and you're getting yelled at by uh, your superior saying, "No, that's not a mission parameter. If you fail this mission because of it, and then Sam's like, "I don't care. I'm gonna, I got, I gotta do this. I gotta say, I gotta save these pilots. This isn't, yeah." But I love yeah, that a lot. aspect of it. I love the pace of this mission. It's a lot more aggressive and actually encourages you to use your lethal abilities not that there's any tactical advantage to it it's just like it feels more pressing oh yeah i was a lot more lethal in this i'm generally fairly non-lethal actually which is against my personality (laughs) in most of these stealth games but um I, i i my lethality goes up depending on the situation yeah so in this mission i was highly lethal i was dropping fools you know if i grabbed you from behind you ain't getting choked out buddy you know, um, unless they were friendly forces. There was a couple times I had to choke out friendly forces, and i just choke them out. 
and hide their body to the side. <laughs> you know, it was like, you'll wake up in a little bit. Um, but, you know, for hostile forces, man, we would draw, I was dropping fools. Also, I felt like I had uh, more ability to use some of the louder options. So there was a couple of times that I would like gain high ground on a group of guys and I just throw a frag down there. Yeah, this is the one mission I use flag, uh, frag grenades. Yeah, it's like, this is a war zone. No one's going to notice that, <laughs> you know, no one's going to be like, there's a guy sneaking around here after a frag goes off because there's bombs going off everywhere, you know? It just feels more like it promotes more of a lethality um, there. The, like I said, I totally understand uh, that the second half isn't as strong as the first by any means. I love the first half, all the way up to getting to the plane. The fact that you're, you know, you're basically there to grab data before the North Koreans can get to it. So mm-hmm. it's like you're trying to get to this besieged building in the middle of a war zone. And to them, it's a small objective, but to you, it's the primary, you know? Yes. It's a really, really, I love that whole concept. I love the, the concept of Sam's story being a small one in a situation that's just massive. And just a ton of different situations going on around you. Um, interesting thing, if you don't rescue the pilots, he just has a line when he calls in the airstrike where he's like, God forgive me or something like that. He basically, you know, like makes a he makes a reference to realizing what he said. He's he's doing is wrong. That's cool. Um, it's a subtle it's very subtle. Most players probably wouldn't even like recognize that you could do something like this, but the fact that it's in there just yeah. makes that it's very subtle. More powerful. And yeah. it's not like he harps on it. He doesn't like, oh, you know, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, it it because it, it's a shitty choice no matter what. You know, you want to rescue these people, but at the same time, you do have to destroy this site for the greater good kind of thing. And yeah, you know, it's just very subtle. It's, it's it's well done. I really enjoyed Salt um, as a mission. Um. The bathhouse is next, mission nine. Uh, the bathhouse is a tale of two cities. The first part of the bathhouse is great. Yes, I love the first part. Awesome. You want to talk about cool stuff? Um, there's sequences in which you are dealing with, um, like steam. Yes. And stuff like that. So you're entering like steam rooms and you can like straight up walk through the middle of the room because it's so steamy. Nobody can pick up on you. Um, there's all these great like environments like the pool area and all this stuff. It feels like a lived in real place. Everything about this is awesome. I, I think the first part of the bathhouse is a solid, solid mission. This would be my favorite. This would probably be my favorite mission up there if it wasn't for where this mission just completely goes off the rails i think the mission goes off the rails and after you realize that the client for the uh the pmc group is the japanese uh you believe it could be the japanese government or it could be particularly what we will find out is this particular guy the guy who's head of the japanese intelligence organization basically um after that Things take a massive downturn. Um, there is another sequence in which those opposing forces fighting. It's very loud and chaotic. And at first, I was like, okay, I can get behind this. You know, I've got to get my way out because you're chasing after uh, Sam's, you know, buddy, ex-buddy. I think his name is Lambert. No, no, Lambert's your guy. Shetland. Your, your, Shetland. Shetland is the name of the guy. Um, you kind of try and chase him down before he gets away. Uh, the game promotes a lot more combat here. There's a lot of rooms that are pretty much almost 
extremely difficult to sneak through. And I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. I don't really like this. I don't want yes. to just fight head on. The the shooting's not that good for the problem head-on with this section is that it completely sorry to interrupt you, but I have to see where you're no, going. No, no. It's completely ripping choice away from you. There is one is a puzzle at that point where it's like there's one critical path to get through, especially once it becomes like a combat zone. There's one critical path to get through where you're not instantly riddled with bullets. And that is the like tale throughout the rest of this mission. What this game what this game does very well is opening it up and being like, here's this big open room, figure out how to get through. There's some uh, environment, like especially in this mission, earlier in this mission, like environmental interactivity that opens up your choices tenfold. And then here it's, oh, you were seen instantly because you didn't knock out this dude at this particular time. So now you lose. That's not what this game does. Well, I feel like it's a choice made to throw a wrench in the game's mechanics but it completely backfires here, and it's this becomes taking... the worst part of this game for me. Exactly, it I takes all like the stuff I loved about playing this game, and it says, "Hey, man, you don't really have those options anymore. You're going as the chance to you know, move throughout the environment and find little hidden ways to get past people." People, um, I started just using all of my equipment instead of like in a fun way, which I, I usually used it well. Oh, there's a guy who I need to get by who's going to... If I open this door, he's going to see me. But I have the shock round. So I'll open the door, you know, pop him with the shock, shock round. And I can drop him before he can set the alarm off. Or I got the airfoil rounds for civilians. Don't want this civilian to see me. But I need to take him out and then go grab this guy from behind. I'll airfoil the civilian so it's non-lethal. And then go grab the dude. Yeah, all these different kind of ways to use the equipment. Going, that stuff's out the window. Now it's just, I'm using them almost like guns just to get through these areas. And then that leads to the worst part of this game, which is a sequence in which as you are leaving the bathhouse, you have Shetfield making, placing bombs (laughs) that you have to go defuse which is annoying enough as it is because you got to find the things in like a minute or whatever. But then it starts throwing bad guys or regular dudes into the room, which really the only way to go defuse the bombs in time is just shoot them. But they shoot you and kill you super quick, and your guns don't really work like that. They're not made for like head-on fighting. So it's like, oh, I guess I have to figure this out like point blank, like climb here, shoot this guy in the head, drop down here, throws a flashbang at this side and run over. And it's like, well, that's not, that's just save scumming at that point. Yeah, Every time I did a bomb, I saved. I save scummed so hard in this section. Every single room that I got through, I save scummed. Starting from when you get the information that you need, that Shetland's bad, and then you like exit out. That is the turning point for this mission in a way where after every single thing I did right. And it wasn't like once I figured it out a way that got me through, it still did not feel good because I got seen. I used, I was lethal. I took out the room, but I had like only a minuscule amount of health left. That did not feel good. What feels it good is feel when like you, you through without being op- seen. Exactly. You didn't feel I- like a competent operator. You felt like you were just like, 
you felt like you weren't playing the game as you should be playing it, but that was the way the game was making you play it. Yes. It just didn't feel good. That whole bomb sequence broke me. I was just, I was going to finish the game that night. This would have been like Sunday night. Um, but I just didn't have it in me after finishing it. Cause I usually did like a mission a night and I did mission eight and I was like, mission eight is freaking awesome. And then I did mission nine and I was like, man, I'm just going to finish the game tonight. And then all that happened. I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to finish the game no all because I just, it just, it just was completely opposite of what I wanted from this game. Um, yeah, I also got to the bomb sequence and then left. I'm like, I don't have to do this right now. I don't want to do this right now. I'll come. Oh, back I was tomorrow. so frustrated. I was going to beat that section. The game was not going to beat me there. <laughs> um, and then it just leads to a moment in which there was a standoff, and he's straight up like, "Hey, Sam, you wouldn't shoot me." And Sam shoots him because Sam's cold. Sam. Um, Sam said the thing. He said the thing. Yeah, you. Well, you got your your chaos theory, and then the credits <laughs> rolled. <laughs> it was weird to hear him just straight up say the title of the game. He goes, that like, makes me wonder. It's, it's I never, just I like played that time Pandora I was in... tomorrow. I wonder if he says, "This is really shaping up to be a Pandora tomorrow." <laughs> There's not gonna be a Pandora tomorrow. That's what you gotta say. <laughs> and then the next game, maybe it was. I don't remember. It's been a while since I played it. But he's just like, I feel like a double agent. <laughs> Or I, Sam, I think in in blacklist, I feel like there's a moment where they straight up say like, "Sam, you've been blacklisted." No, because I isn't that the name of the criminal organization, the blacklist? Maybe I, I think that's what they're doing. I think it's a group called the Black. So that is at least tied to the thing. I was like, yeah. "Where's the chaos theory coming in?" And Sam just, just like, throws that, it out. Just your personal little chaos, chaos theory. theory. <laughs> um, All caps notes. He said the thing. Yeah. <laughs> So all this leads up to that we've discovered that the Japanese government is involved with the launching of the missile. We don't know how high it goes up. We know that there has been a kidnapping of American personnel within the facility there. And we'll have to go in and figure out what's going on. And boy, does it feel like a de-escalation after everything that's been happening. It feels like the game shoots its shot one mission too early. Like, it feels like you have the big moment where you kill the guy, and now let's go do something else. Yeah, right? So, there's no story weight to this mission, but I like this mission. I like the mission, and then I hate the mission. Okay, so this is your one. This is your one where you're kind of split on, like I was with Soul. Sort of. I like the mission at the beginning. I like infiltrating the office building. I like going and talking to the guys who are being held hostage. Um, when you are going down into like the war room area, did you get captured? Yeah, but I reload my save every time, so I didn't see how that whole thing played out. So if I'll you get captured, you basically end up in the area by the server room. You have to pick your locks on your handcuffs, and then you bust out, and you choke out the guy who was torturing you, and you break out, you know, you get your equipment back. And basically, it just starts you down there with all the alarms set at four. Uh. But there's only like five dudes down there, and you bust out in a way where they don't know that you would you busted out. So it's actually kind of easy. It's actually a little bit easier to just go ahead and get captured. <laughs> and, 
and then you know you're down there. The only thing is the servers are all underground because the alarms have been set. So you just gotta have to go hack the um, the retinal scanner and bring the servers back up. That's the only difference. Gotcha. Um, it's okay that way. I think it's kind of neat from a like story point of view. Um, and it's cool that you can do it either way. But eh, whole lot of eh on that whole section. Also, I feel like you've had so many like. Go ahead. I was gonna say the one room I there's only one room I don't like in this mission, and that's the bit where it's the big open room with the staircase that's going up for some reason no matter what i did the guard up at the top would always spot me and like work his way down the stairs i don't know. i think i got him pretty easy because i basically did the whole oh you see me and ran off into a dark corner and brought him into that dark corner with some little whistling and then came around the corner and knocked him out with a punch to the face so uh he went down kind of easy for me but i can totally see what you're talking about because he has verticality on you yeah, um, I, I love the bit in this mission where you're, it's the initial opening where you gotta get the garage door opening open and then sneak your way in. Then you kill, you gotta time it right to like kill the lights as, and you have to time it to go and pick the lock at the door while they're you're doing with a camera that you probably uh, did the electric charge on. So you're, the camera's. You're you're in a time crunch there. It's the most intense lock picking section in this game because you're waiting for them to turn the light back on. You're waiting for the camera to come back on and work your way to you. As it, you have like I think all six pins to do at that section. I love that bit. I thought that was that was my favorite. Probably one of the most intense parts of this game was just that one door. No, there's good stuff here. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I actually like the whole sequence when you're sneaking into the war room. Because it's really cinematic with the red lighting that goes all around the room inside the room, like the secured room. The big sci-fi looking Borg cube thing that you're breaking yeah. into. It's, uh, did you get the Metal Gear Solid reference in here? There's a what? I guess yeah, I so didn't. If you, if you grab one of the guys down in the room in front of the uh, Borg room. Uh, and you interrogate him. You ask if there's any more of those non-lethal supplies sitting around. And he makes a reference. He's like, what do you want me to do? Shake you and have it all fall out of your yes, pants? Yes, I did write that down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I did cool, write that down. A me- yeah, that was a cool little Metal Gear reference there that did, I think it's enjoyable. There was um, a Half-Life reference in the battery level. Yeah, there was a Half-Life reference there. Um there's a couple of interesting levels there that kind of make fun little references, but I did like that one. What do you think I'm gonna do? Shake you and have you yeah, fall over? Fall to the floor. <laughs> um, this is where we discover that hey, it's not the Japanese government that's doing this. It's just particular admiral. He does his big villain speech where he's like, "You will let us go back to being the Imperial Japan." <laughs> Basically, is his whole plan. Um, my favorite thing is. It's like, oh crap, where's this guy at? Oh, he's just in the basement. <laughs> he's just one level down from here. He's not even like far away. Um, I did like this... how you had to go down the elevator, but the elevator cuts off, so you have to figure out how to like scale down. And yeah. the, the sequence of events here to get to where he is 
is super cool. You have, like, the elite-level guards, but they're in a room to where you can, like, wait around the corner for them. It's not a big open room that no matter what decision you make, it's the wrong one. So it makes sense that those you there's a way to counteract them without feeling it sh- cheap. It shows that the elite guards are not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's the design choices in the mission before that's the problem. Exactly. The elite guards are not the problem. The idea of like guys wearing thermal vision and stuff, that's fine. It makes sense. You know, Sam's got it. Why wouldn't other people? Especially here. But um, it's was the problem is in the bathhouse level is they're forcing you into more like head-on encounters where here you still have options there's like lines of desk that you can kind of sneak through to get behind them there's a turret that's like on a track that's going back and forth that's pretty interesting you know you have to deal with um after you basically reach the admiral he stabs himself and tries to commit what is it seppuku yeah that sounds right I think it's, it's a non-factor. Could you just hit, go, run up to him and hit A, and he's alive? Just pull the sword out. I think how you do that, if I remember correctly, is you stick it in your stomach, you pull it both directions, so it like lets all your organs fall out. Then you pull it up towards your heart. Like you don't come back from that. He just stabbed right? himself once, and then Fisher take just takes the blade out and goes he's stabilized. Like those... my favorite thing is also like you know what they tell you to do in life when those you're impelled by something pull Remove it out. It. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad happens there. Um, there was a cool sequence where you're underwater, and so he's like, "Just blow up the glass and swim, Sam." I don't know. Figure it out. Plus water pressure. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, and like you're not that far under, you won't get the bins or nothing. Um, and that's our ending. Really we weird way to, to end justice. the game. We bring him to justice. I guess everybody, despite Seoul being blown up and the North Korean border going hot, I guess everybody just like backs away. Yeah, you know, because that's how conflicts work. Um, North Korea just, just sends a really note weird. note to the capital that says, "Oops, my bad." Our bad. <laughs> centuries of hatred and war—not centuries, but you know, decades of hatred and warfare and anger at each other is. <laughs> just blown up in the four scale warfare but now that you've proved that the initial missile that started off didn't cause any problems i guess we'll all go back home my it's my i say favorite in quotes favorite trope of anything that these massive political conflicts are just the result of one bad apple it was just this one dude working with another dude and that finding out it was that one bad apple is enough to make the whole conflict calm down you know, uh, yeah. there's a quote, and I forget who it is, that war is like an undercurrent. Current. It just sweeps everybody under because every atrocity just causes more people to have more justification for why they should commit more atrocities against the other side. <laughs> like, it's, that's, that's, you know, so it's like, oh, we figured out the guy who started it, guys. So despite the fact that we destroyed Seoul and killed thousands of people, <laughs> you know, it's over now, right? Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Uh, it's a bad story. <laughs> that is a shame. And it's a bad story, like, overall. Like, the individual stories of the missions, most yeah. of them, are great. Sam is a great character. I really, really enjoyed Sam. I think his performance is, is top-notch. Um, I think the great game is great. It's a great game. Great, great game. Overall story is just a non-factor. What I would want for a Splinter Cell remake, because that's what they're going to do. They're going to remake, supposedly, the first game. What I would like for them to do instead is just take 
the best missions from Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrow, and Chaos Theory, and kind of just make like a best of, like, here is the best missions remade, and we're going to tell a story that fits like the best missions. It's just and Sam have it sitting be- at it. Just Sam sitting at a bar being like, you want to hear about this time that I went to this battery in North Korea? <laughs> you want to hear about this ship, I, or this bank I robbed twice? Twice. <laughs> you, put the, talked about you put the mission in where he robs the bank the first time, and it's a flashback mission, and then you go in the second time, and it has all the upgrades because you robbed the bank the first time. Yeah. A lot of great stuff. I love this game. I had a ball playing it. Um, but it's a bummer like i said it's 95 percent great game it's like you're eating at a very fancy restaurant that has some of the best food you've ever eaten going man i love i love italian food i've had italian food before but this italian food is so good but there's like a trash can in the corner that smell it that smells really bad <laughs> <laughs> and you're like this food is amazing what, what is that can someone get rid of it please what what's that doing it's like, there <laughs> it's like when you go see a movie you're having a great time watching the movie, but there's some asshole in the second row in front of you, like talking the whole time. Well, the movie's great, but this one thing just won't let you say it's perfect experience. <laughs> uh, like I said, I really ended up enjoying this a lot. I, I did, but uh, boy, boy, just a couple this... of things that this could have been a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel like for me, it, those sections kind of talking about it helps it's, it's good oh, therapy because yes. now i'm like oh yeah there are amazing moments in this section that i can reflect on and be like oh yeah like this game's great it's just 95 percent of this game is great five percent though <laughs> that five percent's rough the bomb sequence at the end of the bathhouse um there's just a couple of things. It just it just really hurts. It just, just hurts the whole experience. Some of the story like, stuff so and like the game. inconsistent enemy AI. If it was yeah. just if those three things were fixed, I'd be talking about. I'd be dealing with an all timer here. But yeah, those things weigh it down for me quite a bit. But overall, I'm very happy we played this game. I really really like this game. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, I I've even thought about. It. I was like, boy, do I need to go back and play? Some more of those splinter cells. Go back and play Blacklist and Double Agent and Conviction. And I have all those. Pandora Tomorrow. I had it for a long time, but I never put it in and played it. But now I'm like, I should just have it on there and just play a mission every once in a while. Just be like, what? Let's, let's play some more Splinter Cell. Yeah. So, I think that. Yeah. Uh, this was a series, like I said, I played Blacklist, Conviction, and uh, Double Agent when they came out. I just kind of miss these early ones. so, And like I said, hey, it makes me more excited about a remake of the first one. I hope that thing is really freaking great. Because, uh, man, this this one's really, really good. Um, now it's time for us to talk about the next game that we play on this here show. Let's do uh, it. We're playing something that's very, I feel like, very timely. Mm-hmm. Michael, what's the, next game, what's the next game we'll play? This is our first ever Nintendo game. Wish it, yeah, 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 it is, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, uh, yeah. So, as soon as they announced that this thing was coming to modern consoles, we're like, it's time. 
We had like a break glass in case of emergency. We have like three games for that four. One of them is for Metal Gear Solid 4. That's not coming anytime soon. I've given up hope on that. But the other one... No, what are you talking about? Metal Gear Rising's gonna get a sequel, don't you know? <laughs> one did day. You see that whole, did you see that whole thing? I was a part well, of they, that. That, that was... subreddit was completely convinced. Or a remaster or something. I was with them. I was like, remaster? I'd, I'd love a remaster. <laughs> I, I, I don't see that happening. Bla- but... Blasting, it has to be this way in my headphones. <laughs> that game right. rules that game gets that game has gotten better with it but anyway moving on uh <laughs> we're playing a game that's coming to the nintendo switch online service this on the day that this episode drops when you're listening to this this will be available for you to play metroid fusion my favorite metroid game it's my third favorite metroid game um metroid fusion is it's just like yeah it's my it's probably my favorite game on the game boy advance it's a um, great game i realized recently thinking about think that so. the game boy advance might be one of the best systems ever made it's got a great library oh, so good. great stuff on that game that's the thing man dude like game boy advance had a killer library i would make the argument that like game boy Game Boy in general had a great library. Game Boy yeah. Color and stuff, man, had great stuff. They had great games. Turns out, turns out Nintendo, uh, unmatched in the handheld department. The best thing they uh, did for their home consoles was make it a handheld. Now, yeah, look at that. yeah, it seems like that's a skill level. I mean, dude, like, hey, I mean, I, I had a PSP. It wasn't any damn good as all those Nintendo handhelds. You could want. <laughs> They're like, you can watch movies on a PSP. You can watch movies on this Game Boy Advance. Here's a cartridge of Shrek. Don't you, what are you talking about? Don't you own a UMD copy of Man of the House starring Charlie <laughs> Jones? <laughs> <laughs> I have a copy of Man of the House starring Tommy Lee Jones with the UMD. <laughs> All right, I'm delete. Technically, that's a video game. I'm deleting Metroid Fusion notes now, and I'm replacing it with Man of the House. We're gonna watch Man of the House on you, me, but you have to watch it on UMD. Yeah, so you have exactly. to hold your PSP for an hour and forty-five minutes or however long that day. Can you is. emulate UMD movies? I bet you can. That sounds why awful. Why, why, why I would you do that this? Am- oh man! I also have Air Force One. If you want to watch that on UMD, I That's have a, a weird movie. selection. Watch of Air movies. Force One on a plane. Yeah, do that. I had a I have a ton of UMD movies because. Back when the PSP was 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 crashing hard, <laughs> um, those they had them like for like a dollar, and like I just like they, they were just like in boxes. It's just like here's all these movies, and for some reason my father was like, I bought you all these movies for your PSP. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's how I ended up with Air Force One. I got Black Hawk Down for UMD. You want to watch Black Hawk Down on the UMD? <laughs> Fun fact: Black Hawk Down is my wife's favorite movie. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. A good movie. I, like, I like Black Hawk Down. It's a high it's a quality movie. movie. Uh, Ridley Scott, good director, turns out. Orlando anyway. Bloom dies in, or Orlando Bloom breaks his neck in the first 15 minutes of that movie. Metroid <laughs> <laughs> um, Fusion. Yeah, let's go back talking about the game we're playing. Yeah. Metroid uh, Fusion is an action exploration platform game by Nintendo Research and Development One. The best name for a development company. Uh, right next to Creative Business Unit 3 from Square Enix. 
Uh, what do but, we do? We do business here. We do creative business. So the the prep work for this episode is a little bit scattershot because I had to streamline this because Nintendo has a over 100-year history. So I had to rein this in and really focus on strictly Nintendo re- research and development one. So to be brief about the studio's history... In the mid-1960s, Hanafudo cards, which were Nintendo's primary focus since their formation in 1889, uh, Hanafudo is a type of playing card that uses abstract pictures for its designs. They were designed as a way to get around uh, Tokugawa-era law banning playing cards. That's a very simplistic history. There's more to it. Basically, they have, like, little paintings on them. So they're like, oh, these are little pieces of artwork. But, of course, people turned them into several card games to get around the gambling uh, ban. Really cool history there. Uh, uh, Gunpei uh, Yokoi, an electronics engineer who was hired by Nintendo, developed a grab claw toy in his spare time called the Ultra Hand. The company president loved it and put it to market where it was a hit. So uh, Yokoi developed other toys for Nintendo, including the Love Tester, a device that had two metal spheres connected to a meter, like a Geiger counter. Two people would hold hands, and the meter would determine their compatibility on a scale from 1 to 100. Wait, it was metal spheres on a string? Yes. Michael, that wasn't for compatibility. (laughs) That seems like another one of those. This is totally (laughs) another innocent thing. I mean, Nintendo... (laughs) (laughs) If you want to get into it, Nintendo did own a chain of pay-by-the-hour hotels, so... (laughs) Mario's goes, come on, boys, it's time (laughs) to go down the pipes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just... Never mind. Um, In 1972, uh, Yokoi was appointed general manager of Nintendo R&D after the creation of their first electronics development team. In 1978... Development at Nintendo had become so multi- so multifaceted that they had to split the R&D teams. R&D 1, which would develop Nintendo's arcade games like Donkey Kong, Mario Bros., and Popeye, and handheld systems including the Game & Watch line, and later the Game Boy and the Virtual Boy. R&D 2, mainly, we're not talking about them here, but they're ma- they mainly focus on like developing the home console. So R&D 1, so aka number 1 for Nintendo, was all about that handheld market. Uh, in 1986, R&D-1 and Intelligent Systems released Metroid for the family computer disk system in Japan, and 1987 for the NES in America. Unlike most action games at the time, Metroid had a major emphasis on exploration, backtracking, and collecting power-ups to advance through otherwise inaccessible areas. Um, you have played the first Metroid? I played a bit of it. I played the remake instead. The remake is my favorite Metroid. I about to say, I think I would stick with it. I tried to play it not long ago. It's not a bad game. It's just so dated that it's hard to go back to. It didn't age well. That's, But at the time, it was a huge hit. Uh, a phrase we don't say enough regarding Metroid, sadly. Uh, Metroid was also notable for giving gaming one of its first female protagonists in Samus Aran. 
a sequel, Metroid 2 Return of Samus, was released on the Game Boy in 1991. Reception was quite high at the time, with reviewers lauding the game's graphics and gameplay. However, retrospective reviews would be less kind to the game, sadly. I went back and played that not long ago, too. And yeah. it was, it's, it's, that one is a little bit easier to go back to. It's better. The problem is, the, if it had a map, the game would be astronomically better. Yeah. And there is multiple remakes of that, including AM2R and uh, Samus Returns on the 3DS. Which I imagine have maps. Yeah, they absolutely have maps. Yeah, probably makes that a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was not the case for the next game in the series, being uh, harsher and retrospective. Uh, Metroid 3, a.k.a. Super Metroid, where it was released in 1994, and that game was met with critical acclaim as well as stood the test of time. Uh, Yosh- Yoshio Sakamoto was the developer for both Metroid titles before Super Metroid. He was made the developer of the project, innovating the series in smart ways. And have you played Super Metroid? I have. I don't think I ever like got super deep into it. Okay, I finished um, Super Metroid. I played that a bunch great. of I played a bunch of Metroids around the time Dread got announced. Mm-hmm. And I just fiddled with a bunch of stuff. I never, like, sat down and knocked any of them out. Gotcha. So, while Super Metroid did well commercially, sales were on a downward slope. And to this day, Super Metroid sold the least compared to the other games in the mainline Metroid series. That's not including remakes or spinoff like the Prime series. Just calling the original releases of Metroids 1 through 5, Dread being 5, uh, Super Metroid is the least selling, and it's, it's consi- yeah. It's a little muddy though, like I said, because Prime is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Then all the Game Boy ones are their own things. Like I never played those first three, but I played the Game Boy ones, and so it's like it's kind of like yeah, it's like yeah, it's maybe, but man, this is a lot of games that aren't quote unquote yeah. mainline Metroid games. And it's also worth noting that Metroid games would have a pattern of doing really well in America, but less so in Japan, no matter what the series, until it seems like this most recent Metroid renaissance is whenever it's starting to finally gain traction in Japan, and that seems like long overdue at this point. And because of that, the series remained dormant from 1994 until March 2001, when a new Metroid game was announced at Nintendo's Camp Game Boy Advance press event. Rumors have been ten times fast. Uh, Nintendo's Camp Game Boy Advance press event. Uh, that yeah, that hurt yeah. one time. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> uh, ru- <laughs> rumors had been circulating beforehand that the game would be a port of Super Metroid, but Ken Lobb of Nintendo America set the record straight. Metroid is not Super Metroid; it's something new, and that they would have more to show at E3. However, all that was shown at E3 was a short, early build of the game that showed a dark-suited Samus walking on walls as well as the game's working title, Metroid 4. Multiple outlets expressed their disappointment with the reveal. Because I believe it was shown in one of the highlight reel things, and it was only an 8-second clip of Metroid 4. And if you hear, oh, we're going to show more at E3, and you only get 8 seconds of a a working title and... uh, alpha footage uh that's not really what you want to see well 
Yes and no. I mean, I feel like that works now. I mean, how many people are freaked the hell out anytime like Elden Scrolls shows like it's the logo now, <laughs> and people are like ah, like I feel like yeah, the early like logo can... for uh, Fusion was the most two thousand thing possible. It was like spray painted Metroid with four behind it. It looked more like Street Fighter art than it did Metroid. It was interesting. So, one year later at E3 2002, the game has a final title, Metroid Fusion, and was paired with a gameplay teaser that showed a much more realized game. The building blocks of Fusion's development were not taken from Super Metroid, but instead Wario Land 4, since this was R&D1's first title on Nintendo's new Game Boy Advance. This means that the game was developed for portable play in mind, offering a more linear mission-based structure compared to the vast open Super Metroid. The team created animated cutscenes for the game as a means of telling its more direct story, something we didn't really see at Metroid where the story was more uh, set dressing and told through more gameplay sequences. Yeah, because there's a straight-up villain in this. Yeah. Like, there's a re- reoccurring... It's not just, like, a boss. It was a reoccurring villain that... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I just had there, a weird there's, flashback. To there's a story the back to this of game. A mini- yeah, I had a weird flashback of sitting in the back of a minivan playing this game. Oh, man, that's, <laughs> the, that's the best place to play this. Uh, Metroid Fusion released on November 17th, 2002, the same day as Metroid Prime. That is, Which is the, the best insane. day in history for Metroid fans. <laughs> you get two awesome games on the same day. Both games released to very high praise and are seen as some of the best games on their respective platforms, the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance. The Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences awarded Metroid Fusion the award for handheld game of the year. Metroid Fusion can be played on the Game Boy Advance, the Wii U Virtual Console, the 3DS Virtual Console, only through the Ambassador Program. Meaning, if you have a 3DS, a launch 3DS, Nintendo basically made an apology after a price cut saying, we're sorry that you paid more price for this you're now a 3ds ambassador you get stuff that will never be released anywhere else those people got a list of games including uh i believe link to the past was one and i could be wrong there but uh metroid fusion was one of the games and it was never made available digitally for the 3ds aside from the ambassador program yeah nintendo's treated metroid pretty weird over the years yeah, I'm just sitting here going, like, it just feels like that's like, no, no, just give them Metroid Fusion. I you mean, know, this high-quality, amazing video game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Are, you, are you implying Nintendo uh, made I'm a saying that Nintendo has some decision? Hate. I'm saying Nintendo got some hate for our, our girl there, and I don't appreciate it, because I love these Metroid games on Game Boy. <laughs> and as we said earlier, it's also available on the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pad as of today and it's also available with a guy from etsy who would make you a cart for like 20 bucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's another part of this conversation separate from this conversation did you know that game boy advance games are incredibly easy to emulate and can play on almost anything with a screen i'm not saying that about this game i'm just saying that in general because emulators are legal you know about that that calculator you got sitting on your desk at work? That could probably play Metroid Fusion. It probably can. <laughs> All you need four buttons. You need four buttons and something that's like a D-pad. Call it a day. Yeah, exactly. So, 
I'm saying that um, as something separate. I'm not saying that in relation to Metroid Fusion. No, we're just no. saying we're saying two different statements. We're saying that Metroid Fusion exists, and then we're saying that in relation of the uh, games for the uh, Game Boy is pretty damn easy. <laughs> that's all. That's always it. Yeah, if you connect those things, it's your problem. That seems like you. Why? Why are you the weirdo connecting these things? It feels like you are the one with the problem. We're just asking questions. Seems to work for everybody else nowadays, so we'll just pull that off ourselves. This game is five hours long, so it's a one-shot. We haven't had yeah. one of those in a while. And, I, spoiler I, alert, I, as soon as this thing becomes available on Nintendo Switch Online, I am going to play the crap out of this thing. I feel like uh, I feel like it's going to be a breezy five hours. Um I'm very excited for this. <laughs> I, I'm excited for it also. It's been a very long time uh, since I've played this, but I have nothing but fond memories. I have a fun story about how I acquired my copy of Metroid Fusion, but uh, I'm not entirely sure if I should tell it on the show or not, so I, uh, I'll Aww. make that decision. I'll make that decision by by next time. <laughs> by Ooh, next that's time. A that's a good thing you remember. If you want to hear my story that has all sorts of drama and intrigue and shady deals and Mountain Dew cap contest for the ACC tournament. What? And, uh, <laughs> uh, it's got everything, boys. It got everything. If you want this to hear that more, story, you can. This is more uh, politically can... complex than a Splinter Cell game. It's got more to it, to be honest with you. There's more twists and turns. But at the same time, I'm not entirely sure if I should tell her, and tell her or not. So uh, we'll, we'll make that decision by next show. Might need to make a phone call and be like, hey, can I tell this story? Yeah, I have to get approval from a couple of people before I can tell the story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Measure of Fusion is going to be fun. That would be our next game. I think it will be a, a, a bang-up time. It will also be our first Game Boy game we've ever done for this show, which is... We just we every once in a while we'll walk a weird one in. Yeah, if we I, I have a feeling once we play this we'll be like, man, we should play more Game Boy games. <laughs> There's a lot of great Game Boy Advance games. I, yeah. I had man, uh, that's one of the biggest trash. I don't even know what happened to them all, but I lost a bunch of my Game Boy Advance games because I had them outside a box, obviously, in one of those like little container, like little packs that you know held your system and your charger and all your games, and somewhere down the line that thing got knocked over or something and i lost a bunch of them in a move and it's it's kind of heartbreaking to be honest with you because i had a ton of great stuff man plus a lot of crap too because i i used to raid those uh those uh those dollar bins at the funko land and i had a bunch of shit that i bought too <laughs> but, oh, yeah. um, i had some i had some bad game boy did you have games. tony hulk for the game boy color i did not have tony hulk for the game boy color i had uh i had I had shrek castle in the castle okay that's a game. <laughs> it is a game. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> and because I was a kid growing up in peak GameCube era Game Boy Advance, I had like every Sonic Game Boy Advance game. I'm sorry. Don't di- hey Sonic Advance I'm... One and Two are high quality video games. They're Did probably the best. Any... They're probably the best 2D Sonics. I'll say that. Did you have any of the uh, the Game Boy like the Nintendo the original NES games? released on the game boy for like full price i did not know yeah they did that for a while i like, saw those at the store yeah. but i was like why do i want to play why, why would i want to play this 
you get them in the the Funko Land bargain bin, which was just like a big empty box that was filled up with junk. It's like, hey man, it's like two dollars if you can find it, because they also I, had like PlayStation Two games and stuff in there. So it, all the all the Game Boy games got pushed to the bottom, and it'd just be PlayStation Twos on top. So you had to do some digging to get that stuff. But like I said, it was like five bucks for like a bunch of games. I, I had a great time. You're panning for gold there. <laughs> yeah, when Funko Land got bought out by EB Games, I was very upset. <laughs> and then when EB Games got bought out by GameStop, I was also yeah, it just <laughs> got worse. Funko Land though, man, Funko Land was the bomb. I love Funko Land. I, I you want to get me a T-shirt someday that's just a Funko Land employee shirt? I'll have a ball. <laughs> I'm sure those exist on eBay somewhere. I'm sure they do, but they probably got like sweat stains and all that stuff in it. People would freaking own them. Um, state of the save at gmail.com is the email address at state of the save on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. You can see uh, uh, saved uh, catalog of micro streams on the YouTube channel if you'd like to check those out. Um, you can also make sure to follow us on all of the social media platforms. Probably the best place would be the TikTok. Um, and as always, thank you guys and stay safe out there.